So, but on Wednesday night, I'm, I'm digging a little deeper. So if you're in Matthew 24, uh, uh, just turn, if you're not, turn there. And let's, let's ask God to speak to us for the next few minutes tonight. Father, we just thank you that you have the power to, to open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. And we thank you, Lord God, that, that, that we will hear what you're saying. And Lord, even though I am a frail human being, Lord, you can use me. And I yield myself to you, and we thank you for the Word of God being made manifest in our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Just quickly, a little, little review, Matthew 24. The disciples were walking through the Temple Mount with Jesus. And they were admiring the buildings, and Jesus says, oh, by the way, not one stone on, these, in, on this whole place is going to be left on top of another. He was prophesying a future event uh, in 70 A.D. Uh, Jerusalem was basically destroyed. Uh, but uh, as they were doing that, uh, the, and when Jesus shared that with them, all of a sudden questions come. How many of you know when somebody says... Uh, if, when Jesus says, oh, by the way, this is all going to fall, you want to know some things. When's it going to happen? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They asked three questions. They said, when? We've already learned uh, that when we look through here that Jesus didn't answer the when. I think the when is a mystery. If we knew the when, in fact, Jesus talked about this in a couple of parables. If we knew the when, uh, then... Uh, We'd just know the when, and we'd just wait till the when, and then get our lives right with God. But the whole thing with Jesus in this passage is, be ready. Everybody say, be ready. ready. And it's like T.D. Jake says, get, be ready. Oh, no, he says, get ready, get ready, get ready. Turn around and tell somebody, get ready, get ready, get ready. That's the theme. He wants us to be ready. But when they ask him those three questions, the first thing we talked about this last Wednesday, the first concern he had for us, in the end of days. Everybody say the end of days. He said this. Take heed. Look at verse 4. Take heed that no one deceives you. And then a few passages later. Verse 11. He says many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. One of the signs of the end of the age. Is, is a massive deception. And listen folks. It, we are there. We've learned already. That we are already in the end of days. Amen. We're in the beginning of sorrows, as you may see here in just a few moments. Uh, and so we see deception is, is running rampant. In verse, oh, let's see, 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So deception, uh, massive religious deception will, is and will continue to run rampant uh, throughout the earth. And so we talked about that last Wednesday night. I gave you some insights about how to guard your heart and guard your family and be able to stand strong in the face of religious uh, deceptive spirits that are running rampant through the earth. Uh, and man, they're hitting the church uh, right and left. You just need to realize that. There's a lot of uh, uh, kind of uh, loose, I'll call it loose theology that is being embraced by so many. Uh, you know, homosexuality is being embraced as a, as a, as a okay, even biblical lifestyle in a lot of churches in America. Uh, gosh, greasy grace, uh, uh, you know, easy believism kind of Christianity. Uh, uh, gosh, in fact, my son showed me a, a, a video of a friend of his that is a universalist to the core. He just believes everybody's going to heaven. And he's out preaching that gospel. How many of you know everybody's not going to heaven? 
uh, only those who are born again. And everybody's not born again. Uh, everybody's lost until they get born again. So if anybody tells you that, you just know, oop, we're living in the last days. Those kind of things that are undermining the core of the message of the gospel. It's happening all around us. We just may be a little insulated or isolated from it, but it's everywhere. And so we talked about that last Wednesday. Now, the next thing, let's look in this passage of Scripture. Jesus said, verse 4, he, he, he created another important insight that we're going to look at tonight. He said, take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. And will deceive many. Catch verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Everybody say, see that you are not troubled. Tell your neighbor, see that you are not troubled. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these things are what? The beginning of sorrows. And so tonight what I want to talk about is that phrase, the next thing he was concerned for us. And listen, he was talking to us. Did you know Matthew 24 is written to us? Okay, because here we are in the, in the last days, in the end of days, and we are in the beginning of sorrows, you know, and some of us, you know, we, you know, I went to the fair last night. I was having fun yesterday for, I ate oysters at, down in New Orleans. I mean, life was good. Uh, they're good. They're just, she, you have to have, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> Yeah, if they're fried. <laughs> I mean, I'm living life. I'm having fun. But I'm telling you, uh, we, we can't allow, you know, the, 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 the joys of life to kind of cloud where we really are in the, in, the, in, in the scheme of God's eternal purpose and plan for our life. And so he says, see that you are not troubled. Now, the word see, I want you to see what this word see really means. The word see really has to do with spiritual discernment. It's, it it kind of means this, to sit and stare and ponder at something for the purpose of obtaining a clear understanding and a discerning insight. So when Jesus said, see that you're not troubled, it was more than just, you know, just make sure you're not troubled. He said, have spiritual discernment and insight and, and revelation, if you will, about where we are uh, in the end of days so you will not be taken by surprise by the beginning of sorrows or the trouble of the last days. How many of you know we've already begun to see the, all these things that he listed here uh, and then it just gets worse and worse? Trouble is a sign of the end of days. Troubled means basically fearful. So Jesus was basically saying here to the disciples and to us, because here we are in the end of days, and they were living in the end of days too. When did, when, well, basically it, according to Scripture, it began at Pentecost. Okay, remember Joel? Remember Joel? Uh, Peter gets up and preaches. He quotes Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Basically, that's a pretty good uh, timetable. If you wanted to get a timeline of when the end of days begins, it's at the birthing of the church, the age of grace. Uh, it's an undetermined amount of time. It's as if God stopped his prophetic time clock. If you wanted to go back to Daniel chapter 9 and dig into that, called the age of grace, waiting for the church to uh, win this world to Christ or preach the gospel to the whole world. 
And at some point, and we don't know when, he'll release it again. And, uh, and of course, you've heard of the seven-year tribulation period. Now, I'm not here to try to... I, my disclaimer is clear. I'm not a, 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 a theologian and a specialist on eschatology. And if you don't know what that word means, then we're okay tonight. Uh, if you know what that word means, uh, then I'm, I, I'm not an expert in the end of days theology, okay? I'm not here to answer all your questions because Jesus didn't answer all the questions. I'm here as I believe Jesus would have me be here uh, trying to hear his heart and to, and to, and to re- release to you the things that you need to know. And hear he, what he says, see that you're not troubled. Everybody say, see that you're not troubled. Now, here we go. You can't allow troubling times to trouble you. That's what he's saying. We can't allow troubling times to trouble us. One of my messages from years ago had this thought in it. Trouble is not optional, but being troubled is. Everybody say that. Trouble is not optional. Being troubled is. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. There's going to be trouble. And he starts outlining trouble. Aren't you glad he gave us some insight about what to look for? That's trouble. Don't be shocked and surprised and dismayed. You know, some of us, when we think about trouble, we're thinking about things that really uh, are, are so temporary and so minimal and so, so, so uh, inconsequential. But Jesus began to outline global trouble that we see already all around us. And he said, see that you're not troubled. You know, what we need to understand and what I believe Jesus wants us to understand, that in the end of days, here we are, it's interesting to me that the, the birth of the church signified the beginning of the end of days, meaning this should be our finest hour. We were made for this. Tell your neighbor, we were born for this. Come on, we were born for this. This is why we're here, amen? We're not here to, you know, uh, eat all we can and can the rest. We're here to make a big difference in the end of days. And so Jesus said, one thing you need to understand, there's going to be trouble, but you can't let trouble trouble you. You can't let the trouble of this day trouble you. You've got to have a perspective and an insight. You've got to see some things, and I'm going to help you with that in just a moment. And so the end of days needs a church. That is filled with spirit-filled faith and understand and know the ways of God. Amen? So, everybody say, see that you're not troubled. Now, just a little insight. Fear. How many of you know, uh, in fact, the Bible says don't be afraid of sudden fear. Right? Here, here's where I believe it comes from. Just this little analysis. And then I'm going to help you with some, some, some vision for your future. Uh, Fear is born because of what you do know and also because of what you don't know. Now, let me explain it to you. If you woke up in the middle of the night tonight and you heard strange voices or sounds in your house, you would know something, right? You would know somebody's in the house. And that would produce within you what? Fear, it's just the way it works, okay? Some things you know, fear is born because of things you do know. And also fear is born or could be exacerbated in your life because of what we don't know. For example, you hear noises in the house at night again, but then you realize those are not strange noises. That's my son or daughter. What are they doing up in the middle of the night? 
you know some things, okay? And then there's some things you don't know. You begin to go, oh, that's my, hey, I do know there's a stranger in my house. But you hear a noise and you go, what is it? What is it? You have fear. You don't know. Oh, you don't know it's your son or daughter. It produces fear in you. And when you get knowledge, then you realize it's just the kids. What are y'all doing up? So fear can be born because of what you don't know. You get a call. Your, your, one of your family members been in a car wreck. That's all you know. You don't know how they're doing. What's that going to do? It's going to produce fear in you. Then you get a call. Hey, mom, I'm okay. Oh, I know something. The fear goes away. Okay, And so we've got to just begin to embrace some things that we do know, that God would have us to know, and look beyond the trouble of our day. And this is what that word see is all about. You, you, how many of you have ever had an issue going on in your life, and it seems like you have tunnel vision right on that. You can't get your mind off of it. It keeps you awake at night. You're just, OMG, what on earth am I going to do? Chew your fingernails off. You can't, you can't see past this terrible moment in your life. How many of you know that, that's what happens to people who lose their desire to live? They can't see past the trauma and the trouble and the depression of their moment. They can't get a vision for a greater day. They can't get the big picture. And so all they see is the trouble and the trauma of their moment and it produces a hopeless despair in their life and Jesus shows up with the disciples and he just said all these beautiful buildings are going to fall down flat but don't let that trouble you everybody say don't let that trouble you you know people that live pretty close there they're going wait a minute Jesus I this could this is troubling and so We've got to build a lifestyle and a life and a spiritual discernment in our heart that provides clarity of understanding. Because he said, hey, see that you are not troubled. Don't let these things trouble. For all these things must take place. This is the process that is going to happen. Don't let it trouble you. And so what do we need? We need some long-distance perspective. Okay, don't want to focus on the trouble. And even in your own life, this will work with your just trouble you're going through right now. What I'm about to tell you will help you in every area of your life. But the context is, hey, when we get in the middle of the trauma of our day and the trouble of the day that Jesus outlined, we can't be troubled. So here you go. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some look past thoughts. You got to look past some things. You got to look past the trouble. Number one, we're going to, not be troubled in troubling days. We've got to look past the trouble and see the plan of God. That's what Jesus was saying to his disciples there. He said, all these things must take place. They must come to pass. How many of you know God has a plan? Tell your neighbor, God has a plan. And, and, and evidently his plan involved troubling days. And he wanted his disciples to understand, hey, when you see these things, understand, this is the plan of God. The plan of God will unfold, okay? This is the way it's going to be. And so don't be troubled when you see these things. Don't let trouble trouble you. Just look past the trouble and realize, oh, we're in the middle of the plan of God. That should excite the church. That should excite you to realize, oh, Jesus is up to something. And even when Jesus is not, how many of you know... Uh, in the last days, the light gets brighter and the darkness gets darker. It's just a part of the plan, okay? And so don't let it trouble you. Think about Jesus. How many of you know the trouble he went through was all 
God's plan. Right? It was the plan of God. And he knew the plan of God. And, and, and he embraced the plan of God. And he realized that, that his life, in that life, there was going to be some trouble. There was going to be some trauma. But he looked beyond that. You see, the reason he was able to face it was because he was looking beyond it to see you and me and to see our families being born again because of the trouble he was going to go through. And, and so we can learn from Jesus. In fact, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I love this. It says, Therefore, we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Catch this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, catch this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God there it was Jesus was looking pardon me beyond the trouble of the cross looking way ahead if you will and so you and I've got to get some long-distance perspective and realize, you know what? The plan of God is unfolding. And here's what you need to know even about your trouble. Hey, listen, it's not over yet. I mean, listen, God's got a plan. Tell your neighbor, God's got a plan. Some of you look at your trouble and you think, how am I ever going to get through this? Listen, you can come out of a hole in a hurry. God's not here just to torment and trouble you. Uh, the trouble of your day may just, it may be the devil. If it is, rebuke it. It may be God allowing it so you can learn some things. How to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. John on the Isle called Patmos. We looked at him Sunday. We read Revelation 1. How many of you know, that was trouble in his life. He's there banished, apart from friends and family, apart from loved ones, and apart from the call of God on his life, he thought. Because there he is by himself. He can't, he's there because of his witness, because of his ministry. He's banished off uh, to the Isle called Patmos. But God had a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And it's interesting to me, what, what John could have looked at as a problem, God looked at as a plan. And in a sense, God used the solitude of the isle called Patmos to put him in a place where he could have quality time hearing the revelation that he wrote and penned by the words of Jesus. And so we've got to look past, hey, if you don't want to be troubled by troubling days, you've got to look past the trouble and see the plan of God unfolding in your life. In fact, if you're going through trouble today, you've got to look past it and realize God has a plan. He's not leaving you to your own devices. God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. Number two, the second thing I see, here, even here in Matthew chapter 24, that we've got to look beyond. We've got to look past the trouble and see the passion or the love of God. Look in verse 12 and 13. Let me link a couple of verses together here. Sometimes we tend to uh, read them in little verse segments where we're, we're kind of Twitter-minded. We've been Twitter-pated, and we think little phrases and a bunch of little separate phrases. But look in verse 11 and 12 and 13. He says, verse 11, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Look in verse 12, And because lawlessness will abound, what happens? The love of many will grow cold. And then he says, But he who endures to the end... 
shall be saved. Now, catch this. Here's what Jesus is saying. In the end of days, the influence of the world and the influence of false prophets will cause the love of many to grow cold. They'll fall out of love with Jesus. They'll fall out of love with the church. They'll fall out of love with the plan of God. They become selfish and self-centered and self-focused. He said, that just happens. He said, don't let that happen. Stay in love with Jesus. He who endures to the end. That word endures means to stay under the pressure and not allow the pressure and the temptations of this life and the, and the influences of this world to draw you away from the love of God. And so understand something. we got to look past the trouble and see the love of God and stay in love with Jesus and don't let the trouble of our day cause us to fall out of love with Him. And it could happen. The love of many will grow cold. How many of you know somebody that's happened in their life? And so we've got to look past the trouble of our day and see the passion of God and how He loves us and how He wants us to love Him and love one another. In fact, look over at 1 John chapter 4. You probably know this one. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Watch this. This is a powerful uh, 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 complimenting verse. Here's what John said. 417, 1 John 417. Love has been perfected. That means to mature, be not perfect, but mature. Love has been matured among us in this. How come, he says, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Did you see that? The love of God. If we keep it burning bright in our heart, in the end of days, at the day of judgment, the love of God keeps us on course in life and keeps us out of the trouble of, 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 that the world tries to give us in falling out of love with Jesus. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. He says this. Uh, he says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in what? Everybody say there's no fear in love. In other words, when the trouble comes, if you're in love with Jesus, hey, it doesn't matter what's, what you're going through. you got love. How many of you ever had, how many married folk we got here? Got some married folk. Some of you not married folk, just hang on a minute. You married folk, how many of you had some trouble? You know, and boy, you realize, man, it's the love we have for one another that keeps us going. The love, hey, if, if we lose it all, we still got one another. We love one another. It'll keep us, it'll take us through the troubled times. Amen. And he said, love, there is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Man, I'm telling you, if you fall in love with Jesus, like these ladies at the prayer meeting on Tuesday nights, uh, first tu uh, fourth Tuesday, fourth Tuesday of every night, every month, uh, they're falling in love with Jesus. They're keeping the passion of God. They're looking beyond their trouble and tapping into the love of God in their life. Amen. Man, what does the world need when they're going to hell in the handcart? They need the love of God in their life. They need a model. They need someone to love them and to, and to model the love of God in their behalf. Amen. Whoo. In fact, you may know this verse. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that all things, including trouble... Oh, that's just my commentary. Don't put that in. I'm not quoting scripture. And we know that all things work together for good 
to those who what? Love God and are the called according to his purposes. So listen, if you're going to get, if you're going to go through the troubled times and not be troubled, you got to stay in love with Jesus and don't let this world rob you of the of your passion for God and your passion for the things of God, your passion for the family of God. You got to keep that fire burning bright. How many of you married folk know it just doesn't happen. You got to keep the you got to keep the flame alive. Amen. You got to keep loving one another and loving uh, and and showing your love and exercising the love of God and fanning the flame of love. For God and for one another. And everybody said amen. amen. Spiritual discernment. Seeing past the trouble. You got to look past the trouble and see the plan of God. You got to look past the trouble and see the passion of God. And then number three. You got to look past the trouble and see the people who need God. Look what he says in Matthew 24 verse 14. This is the whole reason we're here in the first place. He says that this gospel of the kingdom. Everybody say gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news. Now, pause, time out, read Revelation. That doesn't sound like good news. Read Matthew 24. The sorrows begin and it gets worse uh, and the love of many will grow cold. But let me tell you something. Uh, the, the whole world will be hungry for some good news. I've been in places where there was not a lot of good news. They're ready for good news. And listen, as the, as the darkness gets darker and the trouble gets greater, it should be our finest hour. And if we let trouble trouble us, we will miss the opportunity to, to do our part in the gospel being preached in all the world. Amen? Because what does he say here? And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then what happens? And then the end will come. You see, that's what it's all about. That's why we're still here. Hey, I can tell you when uh, uh, this will be over, when the gospel is preached in all the nations of the world. Amen. As a witness to every nation, every tribe. And of course, if you fast forward to the uh, end of Revelations, what do you see? A revelation. It's not revelations. It's revelation. Uh, what do you see? You see t people from every tribe, tongue, kindred, and nation. I'm telling you, Jesus knows and, and he, he gave it to John, the revelator. He sees the end. And guess what? We accomplish this because Jesus said, and the gospel will be preached. Amen? That's our purpose. And so we've got to look past the trouble and see the people who need God. In a microscopic way, there's trouble in Mexico. Every time I get on, every time I get on that, there's something going on, you know, Mexico. It's just, and, and, and a lot of it's in the state of Guerrero where, we, where our ministry is located there. Uh, and, uh, and some of the biggest trouble was in Guerrero uh, this last six, eight months ago. And I look at that, and I, I know, you know, you've got to be wise, and there's no reason to, you know, go into trouble unless God, uh, you know, just speaks to you. But we came to a place, 
uh, the travel advisory was lifted, you know, I could sit at home and go, man, I don't know. I should be taking people down there. And I, people ask me, is there trouble? I said, I've never seen it. I've heard it a little. I've never seen it. I've never, I've never been threatened personally. Uh, but hey, I can't promise you you'll be safe coming to church Sunday morning. Uh, and I can't promise you'll be safe in Mexico. But let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let trouble keep me from making a difference in the people of Mexico's life. Amen? And so, people need the Lord. Everybody say, people need the Lord. Tell somebody else, people need the Lord. So we've got to look past the trouble. Let me, just, let me throw this angle out to you just for a second. If you're going through personal trouble right now, you know one of the best ways to get through it or get over it, get beyond it? Start loving on other people and thinking about them. Rather, Don't get sucked down into that self-pity party that will draw you down and suck the life out of you and depress you. Don't do that. People, there's a, hey, Beverly and I saw the, those guys, golly, they're just, I miss go. My Lord, they are somebody's son. I wanted to go, go call your mama. You know, I mean, just good Lord. These, uh, it just breaks my heart. They need God. Amen. People need the Lord. And then number four, if you want to not be troubled by troubling times in the last of days and the end of days. You've got to look past the trouble and see the promises of God. Now, these disciples, they got all kinds of promises from Jesus that were challenged at the cross, that were challenged at, at, at Calvary, and all the things that they thought they believed and that they believed they believed were challenged. But Jesus gave some great promises, not only to them, but we, are, we can embrace the promises of God. Let me tell you something. When you're going through trouble, you need to know that there's some promises that Jesus gave us, that if we'll just trust the promises of God and line Line up our lives. Uh, how many of you know every promise has a condition? You get line up with the conditions of the promise. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God's got a promise that circumvents and overrides the temporary trouble of your moment. Look at your neighbor and say your trouble is only, only temporary. You need to realize it's only temporary. Here we go. Here's some promises that he gave us, especially in reference, many of them, to the end of days. Number one, it's the promise of his presence. He promised us. In fact, what was his last words on planet earth? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that he has commanded you or commanded us. That's the great commission, right? And then the last thing he said was, oh, and by the way, Lo, I'm with you. Always. Somebody say always. Give a fist bump to somebody. Boom, he's with us always. That's a promise. And I don't know what you're going through. And listen, and listen, let me just say, you know, again, the end of days, if you want to talk about the tribulation and the rapture, and, and will, will the church be raptured before the tribulation or midway through the tribulation, or is there no such thing as a rapture, and we all go through the tribulation and Jesus comes back, is there only one coming, you know, one second, is there, a, you know, all those things, I can't answer all that for you, but here's what I can tell you, if, if, it's, if we're raptured before the tribulation, he'll be with us right up to then. If it's midway through the tribulation, he'll be with us right there if it's at the end he'll be with us right there he's with us always somebody somebody say amen, amen. so you got to get that that's the promise of his presence he will never 
leave you or forsake you. And then there's the promise of His Spirit. You know, the disciples got all shook up before the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And they, they said, he said, I'm, go, I'm going. And they said, where are you going? Where are you going? John 14. Well, he said, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And, and, and he, he begins to tell them, I'm, I'm going to heaven. And they said, well, oh, oh, help. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And he'll be with you always. The promise of His Spirit. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard of in my life. It doesn't matter what you... Listen, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're going through or what the world's going through, the Holy Spirit is there. Like my Bible tells me, He goes before me and comes behind me. He lives on the inside. I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Spirit of God. And in fact, gosh, if you want to get off in that real deep... Uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, um, goodness, long-suffering. I think I got them all. Uh, against such there is, did I miss one? Ask, uh, pardon me, gentleness. You can ask the kids back in the class. They can tell you. They know that scripture. But it's the promises of God. You've got to look past the trouble and see the promise. Here's another one. The promise of His protection. Look over in Matthew 10. Oh, my gosh, these, there's some big, long teachings here, and I'm just trying to hit the highlight. Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 16, uh, uh, it talks about persecution coming. But he promises that he will protect us, even in the middle of trouble. Behold, I send you out of sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents, serpents and Harmless of dove, harmless as doves, and beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry. Everybody say, do not worry. Don't worry about what you you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you now. What's he saying? He said, there are going to be some troubled times. You might be called in on the carpet, but guess what? The Holy Ghost is going to speak through you when you're there. You'll be my voice. Oh, man. Let me, gosh. Uh, Verse 27, there's so much more I could, he's, the, the whole theme here is that same thing. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not will one of them fall to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable. Valuable than many sparrows. Everybody tell somebody around you, say, you're better than the birds. You're better than the birds. And what's he saying? Through it all, I'll protect you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you that, it, that, that I'm not going to allow to happen so God's glory can be made manifest in your life. Amen? So you've got to look beyond the trouble. You've got to look past the trouble and discern the promises of God. His presence, His Spirit, His protection. He's going to be with me. And then the promise of His provision. You know, that's one of the biggest hiccups in people's faith. People believe in God. How many of you believe you're going to heaven? 
Amen. You have faith for heaven, but you don't have faith for a dollar bill or for a loaf of bread. <laughs> I mean, we just get all shook up about the provision of God uh, in our life. We've got to embrace the provision of God. Luke, look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And there's a lot here. I'll just try to hit the highlights. He promises us that he will provide for us Regardless of the circumstances, uh, oh gosh, verse 22, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the, bo- about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which, neither, uh, storehouse nor, uh, which have neither storehouse nor barn. And God feeds them of how much more valuable are you than birds. There it is again. Look at your neighbor and say, you're better than the birds. Okay, and he goes through this whole process, and, and he says, hey, look, look over in verse, 30, verse 32, oh, verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He'll take care of you. It's the promise of his provision in your life. And so when we tend to fear about those things, we've got to look past the trouble and see the promises of God. Now, how many of you know all these promises have conditions? And we don't have time to go through them all. But, you know, we line up with the conditions. We can embrace the promises of God. Let me give you one more. And we talked about it Sunday. It's the promise of His return. When He was leaving, what did He say? I'm coming back. What are the last words of, of, uh, in red in Revelation? I come quickly. He's coming back. It's the promise of his return. And even in that passage in Matthew 24, he, he promises his return. Verse 30, he says this, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of glory with power and great glory. Somebody say amen. amen. He's coming back. And so if you don't want to let the, if you're going to, do what Jesus said. What did he say? The first thing, don't be deceived and don't let trouble trouble you. Look at your neighbor and say, we can't let trouble trouble us. And so we got to look beyond the trouble and see the plan of God, see the passion and the love of God, see the people who need God, see the promises of God. And number five, we got to look past the trouble and see the person of God's Son. And that's what we talked about Sunday. And I just want to remind you, you know, when you get His person, when you get, a, when you get overwhelmed by the person of Jesus Christ, and John the Revelator got overwhelmed by His presence. He fell down like a dead man, but he also got overwhelmed by His person and who He was and all He did. And I want to tell you, these, this, this Holy Week ought to cause us to be overwhelmed with who, what, who Jesus is and what He's done for us. It's Hey, when you're in the middle of trouble, just look beyond it and, and, and the, the trouble of these last days and see the person of God's Son and just embrace Him for who He is. In fact, I read it earlier in the context of Jesus, but Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. He said, run your race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author, that's the beginner, the creator, and the finisher of your faith. And that just, just think of that. He's the 
author and the finisher of your faith. He's going to be with you always, as we said. And so when trouble comes, you've got to look past the trouble and see the person of Jesus Christ and who he is to you. Amen? And then finally, you've got to look past the trouble and see God's prophetic future. God has a plan, as we already said. But listen, God's got a good plan. I've read the end of the book, and it turns out great. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He said this. He said, in the world, now this is what you need to understand. This is, this is the bigger picture. In the world, you will have tribulation. That means trouble. You're going to happen. He, he promised it. It's a, you want to claim the promises of God? Hey Amen. I claim the trouble. I'm not, a, I'm not a glutton for punishment, but it's coming. Okay? He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. But here's the, here's the kicker. Here's the prophetic future. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Not I will overcome the world, but I already have overcome the world. Listen, and you read the end of the book, Revelation 12, 11. Uh, it says, and they overcame him. This is speaking of the last day's church. This is speaking of us. And they overcame him, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. They weren't in love with themselves. They understood that death just meant being the presence of God. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony so when trouble comes everybody say when trouble comes you just need to embrace the reality that it's only temporary and we've read the end of the book and we overcome in the end if we don't faint if we don't lose heart if we don't fall out of love with Jesus if we if we stay focused and have a long distance perspective and see what God wants us to see and rather than just be so overwhelmed when did I say Sunday in order to not be overwhelmed by the end of days we must be overwhelmed by the ancient of days but if we let the end of days overwhelm us Guess what? We will be overwhelmed by the end of days. And that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is be victorious through it all. Everybody say through it all. Amen. Amen. See that you are not troubled. Listen, let me just say. I believe, I'm going to say this. I believe in light of what I know about Scripture. To let trouble really trouble us for any length of time is not only unhealthy for us, but I believe it grieves God because we are not walking by faith. I really believe that. And without being cruel to people who are going through trouble, do you think God's shocked by anything? You think God's shocked? Uh, you know, when you tell him your trouble, he goes, OMG, I didn't know that. He's not shocked by the trouble of your day. He's not shocked about what's going on in, in the world today. But I think what really troubles him, if he can be troubled, is a church who doesn't hear at least these first two things. Hey, don't be deceived and don't be troubled. This is the way it's going to be. Don't let it trouble you. Don't be shocked. Don't be freaked out. 
Don't let trouble trouble you. Amen. Trouble's not optional. Being troubled is. You don't have to be troubled by trouble. I'm going to close with one story I've told before. This is my personal trauma moment of my life that probably circumvents any other. It does. Early in my ministry career, before Laura Beth was a twinkle in her daddy's eye, uh, I was getting ready for church. We were having a little revival meeting at Church on the Rock, Equipment, Texas. And I get a call uh, from, no, I, I come home. This was before the days of cell phones. I come home, my, my wife was in the hospital because she was dehydrated with Laura Beth, you know, and just shriveling up to nothing, so they were putting IVs in her. We're having a revival meeting. My wife's in the hospital, weighed 92 pounds or something like that. And uh, my mother-in-law was watching Stacy and Nathan while I worked. And I walked in the door, and my mother-in-law is white as a ghost and she said with quivering lips your brother just called your daddy was killed in a plane crash today I'm telling you that's a troubling moment in anyone's life you, you, you've been there you know you've heard this was a traumatic loss to our family it was a sudden loss to our family and I ran to my room and shut the door. And the grace of God came on me. And I began to call out to God and I poured out my heart to Him. And I, by the grace of God, chose not to let that trouble trouble me. Did I grieve the loss of my father? Absolutely. But do I know where my father is today? Absolutely, he's in heaven. His day that day was enjoying what he loved to do, flying, and in a moment got tangled up in an unmarked power line over a river and probably with less than three to five seconds was in eternity. That's the, that's the totality of his trouble. Oops, uh-oh, boom, I'm in heaven. And so I knew that. I worshiped the Lord. I lift my hand and I worship God. I thank God for my daddy and for his life and knowing that he's in heaven. And after a little bit of time, I wiped my tears out of my eyes and I got up and went to church. I worshiped the Lord. Now, that's just what I did. I'm not saying everybody processes those things. But however you process it, don't let trouble trouble you. And so we've got we to do that. Even on a personal level, on a corporate level, in the trouble we face in the world today. You can't be troubled by trouble. Some of you, listen, loss is real. Pain is real. What did Jesus say? This is going to be here. This is, we live in a fallen world. We live in a troubled world. And we hurt and we cry and we grieve. 
It's so real. But at some point, we, we've got to process it and get up and say, I'm not going to let this knock me out of the race. I'm not going to this, let this keep me from God's plan for my life, whatever I'm going through. And I learned a long time ago in the early years of ministry that when trouble assails you, he's right there. His spirit's right there. Amen. All those promises. I just reached out and got them. I said, these are mine. Somebody say hallelujah. Let's stand up. I'm done tonight. It's 8.15. Let's pray and let's ask God. And tonight, if you're going through some trouble, listen, you know what? Ultimately, I don't want to demean your trouble, uh, but if you can process whatever you're going through uh, uh, rightly, as we were talking about, and get some long-distance perspective and get some insight from the from, from your revelatory time with Christ, it'll prepare you for whatever comes your way in the future. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight, preparing us. Lord, I thank you that you cared enough for us that you warned us about the trouble and you said, just don't let it trouble you. It's going to be there, but don't let it trouble you. I thank you, Lord, that you're giving us vision to see and perspective. And for those that are here tonight, and this is very real to them, I pray you would open their eyes to see the bigger picture and the greater perspective about life and the greater perspective about the temporary nature of life and that, Lord, all these things will come to an end, Lord, at some point. And Lord, in light of eternity, it's but a whisper it's but a moment it's but a flicker lord god and so today we trust you and we thank you and lord we choose tonight lord god we to pos, begin positioning ourselves to not let the trouble of our day trouble us we will walk in the peace of god we will walk in the presence of god we will walk in faith and not by sight we will not let what we see with the natural eyes keep us off of what we believe uh, in our hearts and what we know from what you say in scripture we thank you for it in Jesus' name tonight. And Lord, I pray for those who may be walking through some trouble tonight here. I pray, Lord, you'd give them great faith. Give them eyes to see. Spiritual discernment to know how to walk through these things. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.